Section 19 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Colleen McMahon. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 7, by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rudd. Insurrection of the Jacquerie in France. A.D. 1358, by Sir John Froissart. The defeat of the French under King John II at Poitiers by the British forces of Edward the Black Prince, September 19, 1356, aroused great indignation among the common people of France, with scorn of the nobility, for these leaders, with an army of 60,000, had fled before an enemy whom they outnumbered seven to one. In the next assembly of the States-General, the bourgeois obtained a preponderance so intolerable to the nobles that they withdrew to their homes. A little later the deputies of the clergy also retired, leaving only the representatives of the cities, among whom the supremacy of the members from Paris was generally accepted, to deal with the affairs of the kingdom. At this point appeared a man who in an age so uncivilized and somber, says Pierre Robiquet, by a wonderful instinct, laid down and nearly succeeded in obtaining the adoption of the essential principles on which modern society is founded, the government of the country by elected representatives, taxes voted by representatives of the taxpayers, abolition of privileges founded upon right of birth, extension of political rights to all citizens, and subordination of traditional sovereignty to that of the nation. This man was Etienne Marcel, provost of the merchants of Paris, that is to say, mayor of the municipality, whom eminent historians have called the greatest personage of the 14th century. During a career of three years, his name dominates French history, a brief ascendancy, but of potent influence. His endeavor, in Thierry's view, was, as it were, a premature attempt at the grand designs of Providence and the mirror of the bloody changes of fortune through which those designs were destined to advance to their accomplishment under the impulse of human passions. After the disaster of Poitiers, Marcel finished the fortifications of Paris and barricaded the streets, and in the assembly there he presided over the bourgeois, the third estate. In the growing conflict between the two other estates, nobles and clergy, and the third, Marcel armed the bourgeois and began an open revolution, thus organizing the commune for carrying out his designs. The nobles were meanwhile laying heavier miseries upon the peasantry, and in the spring of 1358 occurred the rising of the Jacquerie, here described by Fossart, whose brilliant narrative is to be read in the light of modern critical judgment, which regards it as an exaggeration both of the numbers of the insurgents and their atrocities while Fossart had no capacity for understanding the conditions which explain, if they do not also justify, the present revolt. This outbreak, to which Marcel gave his support, was enough to ruin his cause, and he died in a massacre, July 31, 1358, having failed because the time was not yet ripe, and because the violence to which he lent his sanction was overcome by stronger violence. A marvelous and great tribulation befell the kingdom of France, in Beauvoisis, Brie, upon the river Marne, in the Launois, and in the neighborhood of Soissons. 
some of the inhabitants of the country towns assembled together in Beauvoisis without any leader. They were not at first more than one hundred men. They said that the nobles of the kingdom of France, knights and squires, were a disgrace to it, and that it would be a very meritorious act to destroy them all, to which proposition everyone assented, and added, shame befall him that should be the means of preventing the gentlemen from being wholly destroyed. They then, without further counsel, collected themselves in a body, and with no other arms than the staves shod with iron which some had, and others with knives, marched to the house of a knight who lived near, and breaking it open, murdered the knight, his lady, and all the children, both great and small. They then burned the house. After this, their second expedition was to the strong castle of another knight, which they took, and having tied him to a stake, many of them violated his wife and daughter before his eyes. They then murdered the lady, her daughter, and the other children, and last of all the knight himself with much cruelty. They destroyed and burned his castle. They did the like to many castles and handsome houses, and their numbers increased so much that they were in a short time upward of six thousand. Wherever they went they received additions, for all of their rank in life followed them, while everyone else fled, carrying off with them their ladies, damsels, and children, ten or twenty leagues distant, where they thought they could place them in security, leaving their houses with all their riches in them. These wicked people, without leader and without arms, plundered and burned all the houses they came to, murdered every gentleman, and violated every lady and damsel they could find. He who committed the most atrocious actions— and such as no human creature would have imagined, was the most applauded and considered as the greatest man among them. I dare not write the horrible and inconceivable atrocities they committed on the persons of the ladies. Among other infamous acts, they murdered a knight, and having fastened him to a spit, roasted him before the eyes of his wife and his children, and forced her to eat some of her husband's flesh, and then knocked her brains out. They had chosen a king among them, who came from Clermont in Beauvoisis. He was elected as the worst of the bad, and they denominated him Jacques Bonhomme. These wretches burned and destroyed in the country of Beauvoisis and at Corby, Amiens, and Montdidier, upward of sixty good houses and strong castles. By the acts of such traitors in the country of Brie and thereabout, it behooved every lady, knight, and squire, having the means of escape, to fly to Mio if they wished to preserve themselves from being insulted and afterward murdered. The Duchess of Normandy, the Duchess of Orléans, and many other ladies had adopted this course. These cursed people thus supported themselves in the countries between Paris, Noyon, and Soissons, and in all the territory of Cousy in the county of Valois. In the bishoprics of Noyon, Léon, and Soissons, there were upward of one hundred castles and good houses of knights and squires destroyed. When the gentlemen of Beauvoisis, Corby, Vermandois, and of the lands where these wretches were associated, saw to what lengths their madness had extended, they sent for succor to their friends in Flanders, Hainault, and Bohemia, from which places numbers soon came and united themselves with the gentlemen of the country. They began therefore to kill and destroy these wretches wherever they met them, and hung them up by troops on the nearest trees. The king of Navarre even destroyed in one day, near Clermont in Beauvoisis, upward of three thousand, 
but they were by this time so much increased in numbers that had they been altogether they would have amounted to more than one hundred thousand when they were asked for what reason they acted so wickedly they replied they knew not but they did so because they saw others do it and they thought that by this means they should destroy all the nobles and gentlemen in the world at this period the duke of normandy suspecting the king of navarre the provost of merchants and those of his faction for they were always unanimous in their sentiments set out from paris and went to the bridge at sherrington upon marne where he issued a special summons for the attendance of the crown vassals and sent a defiance to the provost of merchants and to all those who should support him the provost being fearful he would return in the night-time to paris which was then unenclosed collected as many workmen as possible from all parts and employed them to make ditches all around paris he also surrounded it by a wall with strong gates for the space of one year there were three hundred workmen daily employed the expense of which was equal to maintaining an army i must say that to surround with a sufficient defence such a city as paris was an act of greater utility than any provost of merchants had ever done before for otherwise it would have been plundered and destroyed several times by the different factions at the time these wicked men were overrunning the country the earl of foix and his cousin the captal of buch were returning from a crusade in prussia they were informed on their entering france of the distress the nobles were in and they learned at the city of chalons that the duchess of orleans and three hundred other ladies under the protection of the duke of orleans were fled to meaux on account of these disturbances the two knights resolved to go to the assistance of these ladies and to reinforce them with all their might notwithstanding the captal was attached to the english but at that time there was a truce between the two kings they might have in their company about sixty lances they were most cheerfully received on their arrival at meaux by the ladies and damsels for these jacks and peasants of brie had heard what number of ladies married and unmarried and young children of quality were in meaux they had united themselves with those of valois and were on their road thither on the other hand those of paris had also been informed of the treasures meaux contained and had set out from that place in crowds having met the others they amounted together to nine thousand men their forces were augmenting every step they advanced they came to the gates of the town which the inhabitants opened to them and allowed them to enter they did so in such numbers that all the streets were quite filled as far as the market-place which is tolerably strong but it required to be guarded though the river marne nearly surrounds it the noble dames who were lodged there seeing such multitudes rushing toward them were exceedingly frightened on this the two lords and their company advanced to the gate of the market-place which they had opened and marching under the banners of the earl of foix and duke of orleans and the pennon of the captal of buch posted themselves in front of this peasantry who were badly armed when these banditti perceive such a troop of gentlemen so well equipped sally forth to guard the market-place the foremost of them began to fall back the gentlemen then followed them using their lances and swords when they felt the weight of their blows they through fear turned about so fast they fell over one another all manner of armed persons then rushed out of the barriers drove them before them striking them down like beasts and clearing the town of them for they kept neither regularity nor order slaying so many that they were tired they flung them in great heaps into the river 
In short, they killed upward of seven thousand. Not one would have escaped if they had chosen to pursue them farther. On the return of the men-at-arms, they set fire to the town of Mio, burned it, and all the peasants they could find were shut up in it, because they had been of the party of the jacks. Since this discomfiture which happened to them at Mio, they never collected again in any great bodies, for the young Angeron de Cuchy had plenty of gentlemen under his orders, who destroyed them wherever they could be met with, without mercy. End of section 19